was listening on my way here to Kenneth Hagin. He said that his mother, his parents, had four children. There were four of them. And that his father walked away from the home. His mother was left to raise the four children, and she was struggling, took two jobs. To cut long story short, she had a nervous breakdown, a mental breakdown. She was going through, she got into depression and all of that. It escalated to the point where she started losing her sight. He said this was in 1928. She went to see a doctor, all right? And this is the key, all right, to manifestation. And the doctor said, if we operate, we can get your sight back. But it's a 50-50 chance. If, if, it does, if we're not successful with this operation, you will be blind, all right, forever. All right, but if we're successful, we have a 50-50 chance. And then he said, well, I will do this for you for free because you're a single person and all of that. So he looked at her and made a statement. This was a, a Baptist person. He said, you know what? Let me suggest something to you that Paul said in the Bible. This is what he said. He said, he says, stand fast, Paul said, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. He said, in order for you, let me show you another method to be completely healed. Every time you think about your condition and depression wants to set in at that moment, open your mouth and declare the exact opposite and talk yourself out of the depression. said, any time it comes, open your mouth. In other words, the warfare is actually going on in your mind. When you are believing God for something and your heart is reaching out, if you don't end time to rest, you'll be like that fish there that is using other methods, all right? And then what happens is because of the anxiety, somebody comes up and meets you and says, you know, we can, somebody will pray for you over there, you run. It's all anxiety. Nothing is going to work. And somebody comes again and says, oh, we've done it, we run. Somebody calls you again and says, listen, if you go and if you, if I know an uncle who can help you, and you run, you run. It says, in returning and in rest shall you be saved. Leave all the outward activities until you have entered into a position of rest. In other words, your mind is no longer disturbed about the fulfillment of that particular thing. It has entered into you that this thing has occurred and your mind is no longer agitated about it which is what Paul called the peace of God that passeth all understanding. In other words, you are no longer disturbed. That is the key, all right, to this particular thing here. And I'm showing how do you get there. Every time that thought comes, so it's a warfare that is going on, Satan knows if this thing enters into the heart of this person, if that world can just get in, there's nothing else he can do again. The earth will cause that thing to spring forth in a way that this person will not know. He has entered into the reality of the kingdom of God. If he holds that seed, that's why he says that uh, the kingdom of God is as a seed, a mustard seed, which is smaller than all the seeds that are in the garden. But when it is sown, it becometh greater. So Satan knows that once that thing is planted, the ability inside that thing comes out. But if that thing is not planted, then it's smaller. It's irrelevant. The message is not really relevant, all right? The, the, the things that are in existence on the earth are more forceful and formidable than it. But once that seed is planted, then it begins to emerge with power. 
So what he's trying to do is, let's just make sure this thing doesn't get planted. Let's just make sure this thing doesn't get planted. Or, if that person plants it, all right, then what we should do is that, you know, while there's still some agitation, for example, a, a person got God's word. Let's say they're looking for a job, all right? And, uh, they lost their job, and then some, so they get God's, some promise from God, God's word. But they, they start planting it. And instead of them to focus on getting that word to take deep root on the inside, they get carried away by the promise of somebody, which means it hasn't taken root. Somebody comes and says, well, there's someone that can help. He thinks it's the fulfillment of God's word. He follows through on that thing and gets disappointed, and then he gets offended inside his heart, and the Bible says, all right, trials and tribulations. So he, the, the word hasn't taken root. Uh, this person understands that, look, all right, uh, don't, 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 I mean, there's something I'm reaching for. Uh, someone called me and said, you know, we can say, look, don't, I, I'm not bothered by all of that, okay? I've worked with God enough to know that when the word of God comes out, is a stranger that will make this thing happen. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's not somebody who knows about it, who is using what is called word from knowledge, is somebody that doesn't know about it, are you following what I'm saying here? When it emerges, is things like an old classmate you haven't seen in 15 years that calls you from the blue. Are you following what I'm saying here? Is somebody that you met, that that's how it comes out. It doesn't come out, you know, by the arrangement. That's why it says, you shall call a nation you know not, and nations that knew thee not shall come. Which means it goes into a place where anybody that hears the story knows this is the finger of God. So what happens is, instead of getting that word into the system there and meditating on it, all right? So I don't mess that. I mean, I was in the office there talking with the staff. Three times I walked out of the place to enter into my own office to repeat that promise to myself. Three times. Just before I came to preach, I repeated. Once I became conscious of the thought, I said it out of my lips. I declared it out of my lips. Now, I've come to a place where I, I said, the force of darkness have left me alone now. Are, are you following what I'm saying? They've left me now because I fired. Anytime they came, I shot back. You understand what I'm saying? And now, this may be hard for you, but if only you can do this. Caroline Leaf, you know Dr. Caroline Leaf, right? She told us. One time when Bishop Kate Butler's meeting, she said, you see all these things you have learned? Say, you'll be here next year relearning them. Say, because the way the mind gets renewed, it's not just by taking notes. She said, if you learn one new thing to change your entire life, she said, that's the first time I heard her. said, every time you are, you are conscious of your thought life, take that thing you have learned and say it out of your lips. She said you might have to say it every 30 seconds at the beginning. In other words, says, but once it gets into your system, says your life is completely changed. All right? So what happens is, right, you start saying it. Okay? Fine. Now, the other thing that you will get is after Satan has gone, which means those thoughts are not there, then the cares of this life can now come home, which are not aggressive thoughts to your vision, but ah, let's go and watch the match, which means you forget about, do you get what I'm saying here? And you get distracted. So he knows what he's doing. If, if he knows opposition will not work, 
then he says, let's join the party and let's create all kinds of thoughts. So you must consciously, every time it comes, you say it out of your lips. After some time, the Bible says, with the increase of the lips, the heart is filled. What is coming out of your mouth tells us, Jesus said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? You take a thought by saying it. Which means once you say it, you have brought that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have brought that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have brought that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have brought that thought. The image of that thing is being impressed. So Kenneth Hagin's mother kept saying it. He said after some time, without any operation, not only was the nervous breakdown, everything was rectified within her being. And all she did was every time the depression came, she dealt with it. Every time the depression came, she dealt with it with words. Every time the depression came, she got up and dealt with it with words. Every time. That depression was a demonic spirit that was trying to get. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like medicine, right? Which means the depression will break the body and the bones. So every time he came, she spoke back. Every time he came, she spoke back. Every time she came, she spoke back and began to discover how powerful she was that the kingdom of God really dwelt on the inside of her. And once that script, those scriptures got into her system, and that's what he's saying there in First Peter, after a little while, right, the God of all grace will show up in your life and strengthen you. And then what you do in prayer, and you go back and you're practicing in prayer, what now begins to happen in prayer is... The minute you start praying, all the images you have been reinforcing throughout the entire day, it stays in your heart as you are praying, all right? Which means the images just come and it's imprinted. And after some time, they become a stronghold in you. So the strongholds have been replaced. You are no longer now, you know what it is to enter into rest? If a plane wants to take off, it's struggling against the law of gravity. After some time, the pilot, everybody concentrates on lift. It gets to a point where it overcomes it, and then they can go on autopilot, which is auto cruise there, right? So what happens also is there's a time you're pushing against this negative thought, but a time comes where you surmount that, and then you get into what is called auto cruise, and that is where you have entered into the place of rest now. Now, that place of rest doesn't mean you switch off the engine. It just means that every part of your being now agrees with what you are saying. But you keep doing it. Because if the pilot says, well, we are no longer struggling, so it must mean that we can switch off the engine. You switch off the engine, you are coming down, which happens a lot of times. People switch off the engine, switch off their tongue, all right? So you keep saying it, but now it's no, you are no longer struggling against the pull on the inside of yourself. Your entire being agrees with that particular thing. Now you are expectant to see how God will make this thing you have accepted come to pass. Do you get what I'm saying here? That God now is on you? Let's see how this thing that my being is now fully persuaded. That is a done deal. Now I want to see what the earth is going to spring forth. Who is going to show up? Where is the person going to show up? Because you are in for some pleasant surprises, are you following what I'm saying here? From God. It's not anything you are trying to arrange anymore. It's not anything that, you know, Joseph was there in jail once. The Bible says, the word tried him. The Bible says his, the time came where the word came. 
The word entered into him, just like John the Baptist. The word entered into him in the wilderness. People came from everywhere. The word entered into Joseph. He had been trying. It didn't work. Try. It didn't work. But the time where the word entered, then the king had a dream. So this had nothing to do with the schemings of Joseph. When the word of God has been planted into the earth, it has entered your heart. That means it's in the earth. It now begins to spring forth. All right? Because now when you start praising God over that word, you, you get into a place of, like, like, it's not your business. Your business is to thank him with a full persuaded heart. Your, your business is to enjoy giving him praise. And, and when you are praising him now, it's like it has already occurred. Your heart accepts it. You enjoy it. You are singing. It's an intimate thing. But you know what, God? You know what? You are the one. It's now on you, right, to produce this particular thing that you showed me that my heart has accepted. Now, the reason why there's failure is that our hearts have not accepted, which means the warfare has not been won. The Bible says it's when you have brought every thought into obedience, that's when every disobedience on the outside can be avenged. When your own obedience is complete on the inside. When you have come to a point where you are fully, all right, persuaded about a thing, and it has entered into your heart, that's when on the outside, right, then the powerful changes can begin to occur. So there's a labor phase here. And the labor phase means we start out by saying, God, show us in your word what you are saying concerning this. And you'll see many interesting things from God, okay? Things that you, you are not even... Um, 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 you, you, thoughts that even come to your own mind concerning it. Interesting things from God there. Okay? I mean, people, you know, we, we, we make it look like uh, desires originate in us. It didn't. If someone says, well, you know, I, I, I want to get married. It, it's not, you, you, you understand, it wasn't man's idea. Marriage wasn't man's idea. It was God that said it's not good for man. So God is more concerned than you. Are you following what I'm saying here? It's God that said it now. You are not the one. If God didn't will it so, you live your whole life without getting married. There will be no desire in you for it. That desire is something that God placed there. All right? So you take it to him and he will show you, and once he has shown you, and you say it, and you get that word, and you meditate upon that thing, and you give yourself, I mean, when he says give yourself wholly to it, now, let me just tell you the truth. It's just like somebody, I mean, if you go to NASA, if you go to places where a person is doing serious research to get a breakthrough, they're not thinking about any other thing about that thing. They're not thinking about any other thing. Now, the issue, if you really believe now, if you don't believe that this is, this is real destiny, then don't participate. But if you believe that this will lead to signs, wonders, diverse miracles, all right, then zero in on that thing and focus solely upon that thing. I mean, one day, just to talk about focus, they asked Asen Wenger, and he had been coaching for 12 years in London. Somebody asked him about where does he shop. Asen Wenger said, I do not know the way to Oxford Street. He said, the only places I know in London is where I live and from there to the Emirates where we train. I don't know any other place. He said, I came to this country for football and football only. 
In other words, from the airport to his house, from the house to the training ground, from the training ground back to, can you imagine that? Which shows that no distraction. All you are thinking about is football. How do you? Now, if somebody is treating football like that, then you say this is the eternal incorruptible seed that not only time and eternity and you are distracted on things, mundane things. I did, just by, even though I, I thought about it, but it's the truth. I did a tell in 60 seconds before I, before I, I put it up. I did my house before I came, but I put it up, all right, some few minutes ago. And it's about this, and I learned this. It says that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. You know, it says that in the Ecclesiastes. You know what it means literally? It's better to attend funerals than to go for parties. It says because when you go for a funeral, you reflect on life. And you find out that life is short. That in comparison with eternity, it's like a vapor. You sit down there and you look at the person and you know that one day. So you reevaluate. That's what it says. It says you will think deeper about life. When you are in a party, you are enjoying. When you are in a funeral service, you sit down and you reflect. I said this five years ago when, I mean, I knew my father was, I mean, it was clear he was going. And I sat down there and I stared. I mean, I had thoughts I never got just by reading the Bible. Thinking about life, that what really counts in life? Because you are there alone on the bed. I then thought to myself what really counted. And I discovered that the only thing that really counts are the investments you make in people. That's all. Because everything everybody is saying. Nobody came to the funeral service to talk about the car you drove. Nobody came to the funeral service to talk about the kind of house you lived in. Nobody came to that. All that they all said was, let me tell you what happened to me. I had an accident. He saved my leg. I had this. He said, everything everybody said at that, and I came to the conclusion that the only thing you carry from this life to eternity are the investments you make. The clothes you wear, does it, you understand what I'm saying? Doesn't follow you. So I discovered. So it gives you a time to reflect. And that's what I'm saying. If you're talking about something as God's word, as something that is eternal, then when the Bible says, give yourself holy, right? The instructions are simple, but must be obeyed. Meditate. In other words, let your mind be wholly occupied with what God has said. He said, and you see that thing appear after a short period of time. Let your mind be wholly occupied with what God has said. Let every thought, every thought that you harbor be a thought that is in obedience to what God has promised. In other words, every imagination is you with that particular thing. Every thought that comes over a period of time is a thought that reflects that promise in your life. He said if every thought, all right, reflects it, if every imagination is that picture, if everything that is coming, which means anytime you consciously think, you bring your thoughts to that particular promise there. It says, and you are doing that, and you are doing that, and you are doing that. Now it might mean, because it's a form of meditation, it might mean you repeating something 120 times every day. 
to bring your thoughts in obedience to it. But if your thought continuously, and after a time it just becomes part and parcel of your being, if your thought continuously are on it, and you've given yourself wholly to that thing, then it's going to show up. That's what it says there. So God's business is to give us the seed. Our business is to get the seed into the ground. Once the seed is into the ground, then it is his own business to cause what you have planted to be seen one day in your life. Right? Now, if he gives you the seed and you hold the seeds, and you don't plant the seeds, I mean, if you give me seeds now of an oak tree, and I take those seeds home and put them in a jar, and put them beside my bed, and I slip off, it doesn't mean anything. Right? If you, they give you revelation knowledge, you take revelation knowledge, you write everything down, you put the book, you sleep by that book. And that revelation says, in it, it says, all right, terror that flies, and it's in the book, not in your heart. Are you from there? Which means if they ask you, if they ask you, right? Tell us about terror, but ah, you quote everything. But if you hear a sound, pam, at night, pam, like, I will close with this, somebody I was just listening to him. He said he was rebuking the devil in prayer. He had an alsatian dog, right? So he unlocked the dog, uh, was rebuking the devil, and then as he was closed his eyes and was rebuking, it was like hot breath came to his face. So he felt the devil had shown up. He said, so he closed his eyes more. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke. The thing didn't move. I rebuke. I rebuke. He opened it, it was his dog. So, you can't be. Are you from Syria? The terror is when it enters you that when you hear a sound, nothing moves on the inside. Do you get what we're saying here? That's what you can be saying in the name of Jesus, and it's a confirmation that, boy, we are sinking here. <laughs> are you from Syria? You can, that's what happened about it. I rebuke you, but he said it couldn't open because he said goosebumps started coming. That you mean, if I had known, I would have said anything. Devil, please go. That's what he was saying. I'm sorry that I disturbed you. Can you please go? All that in the name of Jesus, what he was saying actually was, please, devil. I'm sorry, sir. They told me about you. I didn't know you were like this. Can you go? It's exactly what he was saying. It was no rebuke. Are you following Syria? Until he fell off his eyes. He said he hugged that dog. <laughs> the dog himself was as well as He said he has never been so pleased to see his dog. That, can you imagine it was you? And I was teaching it. I'm not saying that. Alright, so sometimes you might be rebuking. Alright? And the devil is not on the outside. It's the devil. It's the fear that is on the inside. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel of the word preached, as well as honor to them, but the word preached, or the good news preached, the news, uh, good news meant what God intended to do for them, through them, uh, the outcome of their lives, the place where he had destined them to be, which was a land of milk, flowing with milk and honey, that to them seemed good, too good to be true, and to get to that point, there were a lot of giants in the place. So it says that word that was preached unto them did not profit them, uh, then bring forth fruit, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. Now, if, if you can put up the scripture, I think it's in Timothy, it says, um, meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly to them. Just enter in the word meditate. All right, give yourself wholly to them that thy profiting might appear unto all. All right, if you can pull that scripture out for me. So it says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. All right, so put, start from verse 14. It says, um, neglect not the gift that, was, that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy and by the laying on of hands. In other words, it says that something was given to you that you are neglecting. It is not reflective there or reflecting in the outcomes of your life. And it's not because it isn't there, but you are neglecting it. So he goes on in verse 15 to tell us how it will appear to all. He said, meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly unto them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. So the key, all right, to getting something to appear unto all, something that is in you to appear unto all, is by meditating on it and then giving yourself wholly to that particular thing. In other words, if you believe the thing is so precious and valuable, then you give yourself to meditate means it consumes your conscious thought. And then you give yourself wholly onto it, completely committed to that thing until it appears to us all. So here it's referencing in your thought life, you are wholly consumed by the presence of that thing that we haven't yet seen. And in devoting yourself and being faithful to that particular thing that is still in the realm of the spirit, it says then it begins to appear 
in uh, your own life. So when he tells us in Hebrews 4 here, verse 2, it says, for the gospel preached, all right, preached, it says this, for unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. It's talking about, all right, they didn't meditate upon it, neither did they give themselves wholly to that particular thing. So neither did they meditate upon it, they had it, but they didn't meditate upon it, they didn't give themselves wholly to it. If you look at Hebrews chapter uh, 2 and verse, verse 1, all right, it says, Therefore we needed to give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip out of our consciousness or forget. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect, all right, we neglect so great a salvation? Now, what's the salvation? Which are the first began to be spoken by the Lord. So is that word, the salvation is in that word. It says, but they neglected that salvation. They neglected what was spoken by the Lord and confirmed unto, unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders. In other words, if you give a more earnest heed to it, and you don't neglect it, and you meditate upon it, and you give yourself wholly to it, it says God will confirm or bear witness in your life with both signs, wonders, diverse miracles in verse 4, and the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So that the profiting there will appear unto all. And what will be the appearance of it? Signs, all right, wonders, diverse miracles will come as a result of your meditation upon that particular thing, giving yourself wholly to it, knowing that within this thing that I'm meditating upon, right, will come out signs, will come out wonders, will come out things that the human or right, talent capacity can never produce under any form condition. So this is the secret, all right, to your own distinction. So you give yourself wholly to it, you meditate upon it, diverse miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in. Uh, so this is what I want to speak on this evening here about, you know, mixing this thing with faith, uh, meditating upon these things. Uh, and it goes on in, in Hebrews 4 to tell us the end game. It says in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, saying therefore that it remaineth that some must enter therein, and them to whom it was first preached entered not in, that's into the rest, because of unbelief. And then he says, a certain day says to David, today after a long time, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart, 
For if Jesus had given them rest, they would not afterward have spoken another day. There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works, even as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, for the word of God is quick and powerful. So what um, the writer of the book of Hebrews here was saying was, the end game here was that let us labor. What he was saying was the promise that they didn't get into wasn't even, and, and don't think about that, the manifestation is not your business. All right? It says, what must we do to do the works of God? It says, believe. It says, labor to enter into that rest so you don't fall after the same example of unbelief. So our labor is not to produce the miracles. God is the one that will bring about the manifestation. That's his business. Our own labor and what he has said they missed out on was something that he called the rest of God. And he says, if you labor with the word that you have heard and you enter into the rest of God concerning that particular word, then you cease from your own activities to try to make it happen. And then God can now come through and God, all right, will now begin. In other words, is when you have entered into rest concerning that particular thing, that God can now step in and he will begin to produce, all right, powerful things which are signs and wonders. So what I want to speak about is laboring to enter into that rest, which means the activities that we must carry out to enter into the rest of God after we have heard the word of God. Because it's when we enter into rest that the profiting will appear, all right, unto all. Where there is no anxiety, we have come to a place of rest. And one of the reasons why people don't get manifestations is that, you know, they haven't entered into the rest of God concerning that particular thing. There is still anxiety, there is still fear. They haven't come into a place of rest. And in order to come into a place of rest, you meditate and give yourself wholly to it for a period of time and eventually you get into rest and then on the outside things begin to happen. So your intensity there, desire, for that thing to happen doesn't cease. But you come to a point where you are no longer trying to do anything to make it happen. You understand that all of the activities that you are doing was outside the works of God. So you understood that the activity I must concentrate on is to enter into the rest of God concerning this thing. Once I enter into the rest of God, then I'm going to see the power of God come out and do powerful things, all right, on my behalf, right inside my life. So God cannot move on our behalf until we enter into a place of rest concerning that issue. In other words, when we rest, we cease from our own works. 
And then the earth can bring forth the opportunities, the real opportunities for the fulfillment of that particular promise. So it's about giving up on trying and start trusting. And then the real opportunities will manifest. Our outward efforts must cease as his word takes roots on the inside of us and brings us to a place of rest. Then by the spontaneity of the spirit of God, things will begin to happen in our lives. So things for the fulfillment of that promise will only begin, the real genuine things will only begin when we have labored to enter into the rest of God concerning it and we have ceased from all of our works. Now what does this rest mean? Mark chapter 4. All right, let me first touch Mark chapter 4 and verse and verse, all right, Jesus said here in verse 3, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And he talked about the different types of soil. And then in verse 14, he said, The sower soweth the word. So Jesus goes and sows his word into our lives. Now, Satan knows that once the word is planted, that the power of God is contained in his word, that it is the word that grows and brings forth 30, 60, and 100 fold, that the power and the results is actually in the word, that if you remove the word of God and tell the person to engage in all other activities without the word, there will be no fruit, that the fruit there is really contained. That's the seed that brings about that particular thing. So he understands that when a person is in a situation, what Jesus wants to do is to plant his word into the heart of that person. So what he tries to do is to either steal the word, or if that word is planted, then trials and tribulation don't come for the sake of the person, but for the sake of that word, to kill that word, all right? And if that word hasn't taken root, then what happens is it withers away. If that doesn't work, then cares and distractions come in to choke the word, which means the target is always the word. And if those three don't work and the person remains with that particular word, then it starts bringing 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then he goes in Mark, therefore, and goes to 24, and he said, take heed what you hear, the measure you meet, that's the same thing about meditation, the measure of thought and study it, you meet, it shall be measured unto you. And to you that hear, more shall be given. And then verse 26, where we get to, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man will cast that seed, God's word into the ground. And once it enters into the ground, he sleeps. There's the rest. And rises night and day. So this is what he's saying we should labor to enter into. He sleeps and rises night and day. And then the seed will spring forth and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself first the blade. So without any effort on the part of that person, 
The earth will bring forth fruit of itself, first the blade and this. All right, so the seed is planted, and once the seed gets in, that person enters into the place of rest concerning it. They are no longer disturbed. There is no more agitation, no more fear. We'll see there is some certainty inside or right, their heart. And then the earth now begins to bring it forth. So what Paul was saying was labor to get that word properly planted into your heart. Labor, for he says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing him to the dividing asunder. Labor to get that word into your system to the point where as far as your consciousness is concerned, it is a done deal. It's not just something that you've heard. It's something that has entered into your being and you have come into a place of rest concerning it. Now, how do you know you are not yet in a place of rest? It says if you look at it and there's still some agitation or fear or there's some anxiety, am I sure this thing is going to come to pass? Right? But when you enter into the place of rest, there is no manifestation yet on the outside but your heart is fully persuaded. You've come to a place where that word is established inside your heart. It has taken deep root into your own being there, moved from your mind and gone deep into what you call your consciousness or subconscious place there. And it has taken root and you have entered into the place of rest concerning it. Then the earth will begin, all right, to cause it to come forth. So what's the starting point here? Uh, the starting point is, is this. Uh, I find myself, let's say, in a situation. Uh, first thing I want to do is let the sower come in and sow the word of God. We said this on Sunday. Let there be light. The entrance of God's word giveth light. So I'm right there. And I understand that in the beginning, God. So the first thing I've got to understand is it's not my own will that will be done in this particular position, but let the will of God, what God has planned to happen, I open up myself unto him that come and plant your word. What is your promise for this situation? Uh, now, there's a teaching, and I, I don't completely agree with it, that, you know, you, you decide what you want and then find scriptures that cover your case. We, we presuppose there that, you know, you have a better idea, all right? There is no way a person, let's even say he's sick in his body, and prays to God and ask God, open, plant your word, what, what you want to do about this ailment, and you open the Bible and you will not see 100% healing. It is God that willed healing. It's not us that conceived healing, all right? God was the one. The minute you open the Bible, because we don't really trust that God will have the best for us. So we decide what we think is best. And let us understand this. The key to revelation of God's will for your life is surrender. In other words, thy servant standeth to hear, speak Lord. I open up my heart unto you. That's the key to revelation. For it says that take heed unto the word as a light that shines in a dark place. And it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation, 
But everything came as a result, not by the will of man, but as the prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. So in order to interpret scripture correctly, you must understand I set my own will aside here, and I want a move of the Spirit in my life concerning this particular thing. Therefore, in prayer, you are saying, God, let there be light. Shine into my heart. Plant your word there. All right, give me the seed. All right, that I'm going to plant into my heart. For the kingdom of God is as if a man will cast seed into the ground. The word cast is force. It's the same word cast out a devil. It says once he has cast it into the ground, then he enters into a place of rest. And that is the only work that God asks of him, cast it into the ground. He says that seed will spring forth and grow, he knoweth not how. In other words, what I have said to you in that word I gave to you will begin to come out in a way that you yourself will not be able to explain. It says, for the earth, this entire earth will cause it to spring forth, all right, which means will bring about the fulfillment of that particular thing. Now, once the seed is cast into the ground, then what happens is the man immediately goes to sleep. In other words, the man becomes completely inactive concerning what is going to happen. He's non-responsive, all right, to anything there. He understands this is my work here, to get the seed, all right, into the ground. And once it gets into the ground, the way I'm going to know is that I'm going to enter into a place of rest concerning this particular thing, which means that I no longer am disturbed about it. There is nothing that can happen, all right, no longer am I disturbed. I, I switch on the television and past. Let's, let's assume, you know, uh, um, um, let's even assume these things. Let's say somebody's looking for a job and, and he switches on the TV and nobody's saying anything to show that the heart's not at rest. And then he hears about people that they say, well, unemployment and something happens in his heart. All right. And, and, and the person gets depressed. You get to a point where nothing again, the word has entered into your being. You have come to a place of rest. All right? Now, if you don't get into that place of rest, then God says there can be no supernatural activity. All I have asked of you is labor to enter into rest. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.